Check, check. So you're talking about Hauser Street? You're talking so, about my neighborhood before it was right. So good. So up where Hauser is a little bit further north, like over, but I'm going to say roughly like where Santa Monica is, it starts at Martell. And, and it's, believe it or not, a great run to get from all the way up at Santa Monica, that area, all the way down, you can get it to Jefferson so you could go to the airport. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when I was a, um, a teeny bopper, there was a point where if you drove through that neighborhood, and so we're talking about like the height of like gangster rap and stuff, it mm-hmm. was super sketchy to drive down that street, like super sketchy. And I remember, but it was, but it cut you out of traffic. Oh yeah. So it was one of those, yeah. So it was one of those things where you would be like, fuck, do I want to chance it? You know, do I really want to do, mm-hmm. you know, do I really want to do this? Yeah. Go cut through the neighborhood. And there were, there were times where it was like, you could see um, down on the other side of that, on the other side of that world is um, an area, a project area called the jungle. Okay. And so um, the heaviest of the heavy, like Crips, Bloods confrontation <laughs> right off of that artery. And you kind of had to cut down that way. Holy shit. Pretty gnarly. Gnar- but that's so you, a so whole you've, been, you've been to this neighborhood before? A zillion times. Sure. I grew up in LA. Yeah. You know, I grew up in LA. And that's the whole, that's the whole, it's, it's LA is an interesting animal and it constantly just like evolves and changes. I mean, just like any city probably, but I think it took New York city a little bit longer. Well, even New York is a different, like New York is a different Yes. Your voice sounds great by the way. Thank you. Really good. Thank you. Um, the first, like the, the first time I started going to, well, let me back up a little bit. Let me introduce you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the one life one chance podcast. I'm with my friend here. Doug Carrion. Is, is, is I say it right, Carrion? You said it right. Carrion? Carrion. What does that name come from? It's Spanish. It is? Yeah. I didn't even know that about you. Yeah. So it's if you go back on the clock, I'm Spanish and Sicilian. Okay. People <laughs> might know this wonderful man from bands like Descendants. That was the Enjoy record, correct? Right. Dag Nasty. Yep. Field Day, Wig Out. Yep, yep. Um, I I'm, have a, a, I'm a Circle Jerk alumni, too. And Doggy Style. Yep. And Cottonmouth Kings? It's true. Go, we're going to get into whoop, that later. Whoop. Humble Gods. True. Uh, for the love of not Lisa. True, true. Um, I got more shit written down. Yeah, no. I, but let's rewind. Though, before we get into that, because... That's that, a whole... It's a whole... I cannot believe Cottonmouth it's a lo- Kings. Are it's a, a long train. Too? No, no. I'll explain Doug that to you. But that's, a, that's a whole nother train. It's a li- It's a giant train. <laughs> All right. So you were, born in, you were born in... Where were you born at? Believe it or not, I was born in Queens, New York. What? I was born in Queens. Oh, oh, oh. Of course, the home of the Ramones. I'm going to just throw it right out there. And my mom, and then I lived, I lived again. We're going to go deep. I lived (laughs) in Greenwich village as a kid, right next door to electric Ladyland. Wow. So that's that. And then I moved to Hermosa beach, California when I was four. Okay. And started going to school there. And, um, Hermosa beach at the time was very, incredibly counterculture because that's kind of where the hippies lived and the yeah. hippies were really quite against um what was going on vietnam war and all that other stuff mm-hmm. and and that's where my mom was part of the counterculture and i grew up there yeah, yeah and yeah. that's kind of it and so there's <laughs> there's something really there's something very unique I've, I've been thinking about this too there's something very unique about um people that grew up in hermosa beach you know if because their parents were kind of like renegades and outcasts for whatever reason yeah uh and then you you go one step 
further and you're like, oh shit, well then it's no surprise that when those families start having kids, those kids have a lot of fuck you in them. Yeah. And that's how you get, you know, whether you're talking about the black flag people or you're mm-hmm. talking about, um, the Pennywise people or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's there's, there's circle tricks people. There's something yeah. very funny about the counterculture. And then the second generation of the counterculture that was whatever version of punk rock on the timeline, Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. No, it's true. Yeah. So, um, how are you, like, how are your parents? Do you have, do you have strict parents growing up? No. So my mom was a straight up hippie. I grew up incredibly poor. So I grew up with no, like, well, I, 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 I'm going to go backwards for a second. Sure. Um, my mom, the, I, I, my mom basically was like a mother Teresa kind of character where yeah. there were, f- there were five of us, but then my mom was always like adopting stray kids. Mm. So my mom is very like a very, man. yeah. Mother Teresa kind of a character. And so I grew up in this, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, but I was surrounded by a single, I grew up in a single parent ha- household, but lots all, of love, a lot of love, but also just a wolf pack of kids. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's kind of, that's, I was in the middle of the pack, you know, in the middle of the pack. Um, and yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of it. So I, so I I just had this very different, you know, different kind of upbringing. My mom, I wouldn't say that my mom was strict at all because my mom was part of the counterculture. So I got exposed to a lot of things that maybe as a parent, you go, Holy smokes, I'd never do that in a million years. I never (laughs) now look at that now, you know, now, but again, you know, you, you make decisions or whatever, and she's just making decisions. And, and so, yeah, that's, so I would say my mom was like, like liberal, really, she's a freaking hippie. Like Mm -hmm. I could tell my mom, like, Hey, uh, you know, the waves are better. The waves are good today. And she'd be like, okay, it's a surf day. And like, I wouldn't have to go take history tests or whatever. So she's pretty, you know, maybe that was just her way of just, you know, she kind of, raised us to be individuals and that was her way of just being like i'm not i'm not going to conform and i wouldn't expect my kids to conform i love that kind of like that so that was that was it yeah that was it so how many brothers and sisters there's uh i have an older brother adam so there's one two that are older than me me and then there's two that are younger and then there's a a stepbrother and then there are other kids that kind of came into my life that were like, I don't know, almost like, like foster kids yeah. that like literally would couch surf for a year. And my mom yeah. would just, you know, cause my mom's theory was if, if, um, she would rather have a kid sleep on our couch than get, you know, sleep under the pier or yeah. get beat up or whatever. Yeah. So she, so she, she had her own, she had her own way of doing it where she just asked the kids to come and hang out. And then about two days later, she'd call the parents and be like, Hey, if you're looking for, if you're looking for Steve, by the way, he's at my house, he's totally safe. Why don't you, you know, what's going on? And then the parents would be like, Oh, you know, he's a good guy or a bad guy or whatever. And then she'd just be like, okay, cool. Well, he's going to be here you know where he is here. Here's he's totally safe. And, yeah. and she just, and they could stay as long as they wanted. And then, and then eventually they'd go do whatever. Yeah. I don't know. They migrate back to their families or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So there's a lot of kids. I also, um, this was like a super open door policy at my house. So, uh, 
I, I grew up in the same house I like forever, like yeah. from like second grade until I was, you know, in my twenties, awesome. which is, it's interesting in that, like never, I never had keys to the house. It was always unlocked. Wow. So I grew up in a, just a very different space, yeah. you know, like that. And that's, um, that. yeah. So it's really literally like my, our house was open open and the spot where it was like, it was rocking. And then, and then there was also like, as I started getting more and more involved in music, it was like the loudest house. Cause my, my mom was quite crafty in that she, mm-hmm. she would let us practice at the house. So wow. even though the house would be rumbling, her theory was, it was a very subversive approach where, where she was like, I know where my kids are. Yeah. And she just, she just like, she, not the whatever crazy. she just be, doing yeah. mom stuff, you know, doing dishes or whatever it was that she was doing. Um, I love that. But just literally like, you know, we lived at the beach, all the houses are super close together mm-hmm. and we were just rocking, rocking, <laughs> rocking the foundation. So, yeah. you know, you could hear it from up the block. Mm-hmm. So that kind of is like the, um, you know, again with the beach, it's kind of like everybody would like skate from one part of town down to either the grocery store were called, called Bocados, which was kind of mm-hmm. like the local liquor store where everybody got sandwiches and shit like that. Yeah. Um, and in order to skate to those spots or to the beach to go surf, you kind of went by my house. Yeah. And so as you'd go down the alley, you know, and we're talking everybody from Jim to Fletcher, like the whole, that was That's the, sick. that was the alley to skate. And then you're like, Holy shit, a band's playing. And it'd be like, we'd be rehearsing and kids would pile into the basement wow. and it's <laughs> that's amazing it's pretty it's pretty rad but i am super fortunate that my mom was always like really supportive yeah. of, of me just being kind of you eccentric and strange mm-hmm. and just playing music and she never really she never really tried to put um any boundaries on it yeah and as long as i was um as long as I did really well in school, I was I even, yeah, as long as I did really well in school, um, she really didn't even have any problem with that. So I, so it was a bit of a trade-off for me. So I just did very well in school, like in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. I did really well in school because holy shit, minor threats playing or dead Kennedys are playing fuck. or whatever. So I, uh, you know, I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fuck up. So I yeah. do really well in school and she never gave me a hard time about it. So you yeah. got great grades. You graduated. I did very, very well in school. Yeah, I did really yeah. well in school. School was. Re- you loved it. Um. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was cool. I mean, there were certain things. I also went to a school where I was kind of. It was a bit of a. a, a there were no no kind of boundary school. So I went to Maricosta, which is like the local school in mm-hmm. Hermosa, Manhattan, and then from there I grad. I went to um, last two years, like my junior and senior year, I went to. North High and North High had this in Torrance had this um, kind of like alternative program where it was yeah. super free, very very hippie. Okay. So I grew. I went to like one of those like it was like a charter school maybe inside of regular traditional okay. school. Yeah. But it was just off. You know, it was free, creative minds, creative and free form. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's <laughs> how I started playing guitar. Okay. The English teacher there. Uh, again from Hermosa Beach. Carol Shakley lives on Porter Lane. Some people that go in the Hermosa beach folklore knower. Um, she saw that I had a lot of, um, energy Energy and, and she's just, I mean, you know, again, I grew up surfing. I grew up skateboarding. Yeah. I'm that guy. And she's just like, Hey, here. And she handed me an acoustic guitar and it was this kind of, you know, nylon string acoustic guitar. And, uh, 
I just kind of, that was it. And then from there I kind of like, Oh, I could kind of plunk out a Ramon song or whatever. Yeah. And I just started playing and it was just something as innocent as that. Like somebody wow. just gave me just a garage sale special and I just kept playing. That's amazing. So I kept playing. <laughs> you still playing. What, so what was your exposure to that type of music? Was it through your brothers and sisters? No like, way. No okay. way. So no, no, it's so, no way. So my brother, Adam, who, who's older than me, was more like a classic rock guy. He okay. would have gone that way. My sister was more, I'd say more like R&B. So I learned kind of like Elvis and some things like that from my sister. Okay. Even though, you know, that was a, Elvis was long gone. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but she was more like, you know, she liked more like art, like R&B. Yeah, like R&B. Um, <laughs> and so I would have been more groomed. This I would have been more groomed to being in the jazz world. So okay. I leaned hard into jazz and giving you dumb trivia for five. When I was a young buck, when I was nine, my mom used to take me to the lighthouse. Okay. And the lighthouse was like the hot spot that did jazz. Gotcha. And because it was 21 and up on Sundays, they had this Sunday brunch and you were allowed to bring in minors. Okay. Right. And so we're talking about like, we're, you know, Ornette Coleman played and Charlie Parker played and you awesome. know, just, you know, Chet Baker, like the fucking gunners. Yeah. Well, guess whose dad was the booker for the lighthouse? Des Kadena. Oh, so shit. even though it's like, Think about that. Like you have these jazz beatnik weirdos against like these subculture fuck you people. And so <laughs> that's kind of like what I grew up in. So I was, I would have been more along, I would, I would have probably progressed more into the jazz world. Okay. But one day I'm skateboarding and you know, the waves are shitty and I'm skateboarding blah, 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 and taped to, uh, uh, Telephone pole is a black flag flyer. Oh shit! And I'm like, holy shit! How old were you then? You think I I might have been about maybe like 13, 14. Okay. And so I'm like, geez. And it was the I, I don't you, you could look it up, but it's the one that had like these like devil horns. It was like a devil horn one. Okay. And it was pretty. It's pretty scary. And I was like, that's insane. It's insane. And <laughs> like, so what is that right? What is that? Well, it's the devil. You know, it's yeah. the devil. So I knew, you know, the beach, the beach culture is unique in that there's like, you know, the bikinis and the babes and that. And then yeah, there's sunshine. this, and then there's this other part. There's this other world that's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. They're kind of the heavy. Underworld, yeah. And, and you could cherry pick people that'll say, oh yeah, no, they have like crazy drug problems and, you know, weird, like white power shit and just shit that's in there mm. that you go, really, really there? That's so weird. Mm. Anyway, so I'm going to go kind of a little bit further back. So I see kind of this, this flyer and I'm like, what is that? And my friends were more like skating and surfing and fast music. And yeah. I just kind of evolved into that space. What's interesting is the first few times that I heard Black Flag recordings, because the recordings were different live than they were on the, on the, um, records yeah i was like oh shit it's kind of like improvisational jazz so i tied it i clocked it toward a really progressive fusiony jazz thing that's interesting i never now, heard that yeah so there's there's that and now i'm gonna go one click over so one of my friends when i was at teeny bopper in hermosa beach is this kid named scott 
And Scott was a kid that could afford records and shit like yeah. that. And he was the guy that kind of turned me, like was the first guy that was like, dude, are you aware of like Alice Cooper? Are you aware of Kiss? And things that I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Right. So by the time I started, you know, going to see Circle Jerks, going to see Black Flag, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm knee deep in the punk world. Yeah. Knee deep in the punk world. Two things happen. The first one is, Scott says to me, dude, why are you listening to Wasted Youth? I'm like, dude, the fucking record's great, man. The guy plays so fast, it's great. You don't like Circle Jerks group sex? And Scott's was always so far ahead that he was like, dude, you got to start listening to what's happening in Europe. And so he tur started turning me on to like The Fall and Joy Division and wow. all that. So I, it really made a very significant change an augmentation to what I was already clocking, gotcha. okay. which would have been dead Kennedy's and all those other, that yeah. stuff. And the local then, bands kind of. Yeah. Local scene, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then also the other thing too, is that, um, in Hermosa beach, there was a record store called recycled records. Yeah. And you know, I didn't have a lot of money or whatever. And so you'd go and you'd see kind of like the seven inches and, and they would let local bands put seven inches in the little display. Mm. Cool. And so, True story. I go to Recycled Records and I see this seven inch and it's the Minutemen Joy seven inch. And all it is is this white paper with this purple writing on it. And it's like a baby and is this weird kind of like almost like a haiku, like weird statements on it. And I'm and I say to the guy, What's that? And he's like, Oh, it's Minutemen, but they're from San Pedro. I'm like, Great. So I take it home, I listen to it, and and now I'm like, Hold on a second. These guys are doing like a funk punk improvisational i'm gonna now i'm going one step further on the jazz line mm. you know it's really strange yeah. really strange strange it music was. so strange needless to say a few weeks later they're playing the whiskey okay and i go to the whiskey and this is the era where and there's photos of it where they're all have bald heads they're all and you go oh fuck that that's like yes and i go and see him and they and George is playing this blue uh, Ludwig clear drum set, and they play the e they play this seven inch the Joy seven inch note for note. Okay, and I'm just completely blown away that there's another extension of the punk mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, that is um, more angular. Okay. You know, and that was fascinating too, which is, you know, wh whether you're talking about pig bag or you're talking about, um, uh, chili peppers or things that kind of came later to that gang of four, mm -hmm. that part was yeah. always fascinating to me. Just the same way too, where I, I, I've never shied away from electronic music where a lot, you know, even though, yes, I have a strong background in punk rock, mm -hmm. I'm also quite knowledgeable in craft work forward electronic yeah. like so that's another thing that in its weird strange way clocks to hip-hop mm -hmm. which is like that's you know because it's You've been sampled a lot too in hip-hop right so that's kind of so it's just one of those really you know i i um one would think that so i had a pretty big a, a pretty big uh palette for yeah, music like and it. got exposed to a lot of music and i was also lucky enough to see um, I, st I started to go to shows when I must have been 1980, 1981. Yeah, 13 and, or something. Yeah. Like and so I've probably seen most of the bands 
in lots of different genres that toured. Like yeah. I got the other day I was thinking about this. I, I got to see SSD control like three times. Damn. I saw misfits many times. Minor um, threat. Minor threat. I got to see minor threat twice. You know, like there's, they did a show at dancing waters in San Pedro, in 1982 or something like that. Just Mark. fucking mind blowing, mind blowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and here's the minor threat thing. So, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going back All in the other direction. I'm going back in the other direction. So Fletcher Pennywise Fletcher lived up the street Shout from me. Fletcher. Hey Fletch, what's up? And so <laughs> Fletcher was again, kind of just like the guy he is now. Yeah. A fucking hooligan. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy person. I love him, <laughs> I love and him he's too. crazy. Just crazy. So Fletcher, believe it or not, the first band that I was in was with Fletcher. So we had this kind of like this band called Con 800, which was this kind of punk, skater, hardcore kind of thing. Yeah. Fletcher had, is responsible for the one uh, that turned me on to Minor Threat. So like he had like the Minor Threat seven inches and we would listen to them all the time, all the time, all the time. And I, I couldn't, and I'm going to segue into something that, that I've been thinking about lately, but we listened to those seven inches and those tapes and stuff like that, like all the time and I was very I didn't even I, I didn't like delineate that there was like the west coast guys and the east coast mm-hmm. guys like I just loved and and even on the east coast there was like the Boston guys and the DC yeah. guys and the New York guys like now the adult Doug can kind of cherry pick and go oh I see I see what that is yeah but I just thought it was all music I was like oh what's the big deal who cares if they're from Boston and that's awesome who cares if they're, it's like you know <clears throat> that's how it should be seven seconds or whatever I was like fuck that's a big deal. now here's yeah. here's my question my question's going out to Jeff Nelson and his kick drum pattern. Okay. okay. <laughs> so anybody in podcast land, if you can tell me, was Jeff the first one to do the gallop beat, to do that swing beat? Mm. So I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks. And it's like, I remember I could, I could see like, I'm very familiar with what, you know, the Dead Kennedy's catalog and the Circle Jerks catalog and, you know, bands that were doing the do. Yeah. But I don't remember anybody ever swinging that kick beat like that before Minor Threat. So if anybody, do you know? Or I do not, man. I do not I know. So, thought about that. So that's, and that that's is, it's, well, not only is it not, it's so wild because did he come to that conclusion because of the exposure to go-go music? And that's how he swung that that's a great kick? point, Because that's, Oh, please, somebody tell me, like, is Jeff only. the guy? Was Jeff the guy that did that? Which then, you know, many, 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 many punk bands, whether you're talking no FX or whatever, can do that skip, that DC skip. That's a great question for Ian, too. Yeah, it's really good. Ah, that's, you know, because that's, that's gnarly. That's a, that's a DC only influence thing. Goga music is a DC part of the culture thing that nobody really knows about, thinks about. That was like Minor Threat's last show was with a go-go band. Too. Sure. Sure. That's and a good point. It's an, it's interesting. And, and so I know like, you know, for the, for the drum nerds out there as they dissect, you know, you start listening to like where the kick and the snares are and it's on the twos and the fours minor threat. were swinging in a different spot. And there was a, can different... you do that beat with your mouth so that people can listen? Yeah. The gallop so this is a different shit. gallop. Yeah. So it sounded like, sounded like horses on a track or something. I couldn't That's even, I couldn't even think about like when I would hear them play the recordings you know those recordings are rough and raw and they're mm-hmm. punk rock <laughs> they're fucking yeah. bitching they're, they're great they sound but, great today, but yeah. they sound great today but seeing it when i saw it 
I was like, holy shit. He's swinging in a different, he's not playing the kick like everybody. How did you notice that at a young age? You so, he seems so in tune with all types of, yeah, of every a, instrument. I love music. I love yeah, music. Yeah, you can break it down though. You know, I love I that. I love music. That's like, well, I never even you know, heard that in my entire life about my threat tool just now. Well, I mean, I'm asking for help. Like, can yeah. somebody show me it like was, did somebody else swing the kick like before Jeff or did Jeff create that beat? Yeah. Cause Ramones didn't do that. No way. No. And then if you go Sex like, even, even that. in like in their circle, like you go, okay, SOA at the same time, like SOA wasn't swinging the kick drum beat. Like they were playing mm-hmm. more like a paddle thrash beat, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to like a negative approach you know, thing, but, but Jeff it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how it was it the way he had introduced the floor Tom into that. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, (laughs) if that's the case, that is a, in the, the line of alternative music and punk rock, that's a total game changer. And I'd be really curious to know if Jeff is the epicenter of that. Yeah. Swing. Shit. Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder if he even ever thought about that himself. He just did a beat and that was their beat. Like he ever thinks about like I created that or even thinks about that. I don't even know. Well, that's a, that's going to be a Jeff question. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But being an artist guy, he might have stumbled into it. He might have. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like how you said it came from maybe a go-go influence possibly. Those beats. The swing. Yeah. It's like a swing thing. Yeah. It's a swing thing. You know, those, they were, the, the go-go thing is a, lands on a different part it lends itself more toward a swing than it does toward a traditional if you even funk. slow that beat down yeah it might have like rhythm to it like that too it's a whole different yeah it's a whole different swing and maybe maybe that's where he was swinging on the floor tom serious this is really serious serious stuff we're gonna we're gonna have to like I said, I'd love to be, I'd love somebody to educate me and say, no, Doug, X, Y, Z did that gallop beat before. And you go, oh, okay, cool. Whoever did, Damn, man. that's groovy. Anyway. I'm saving this from Ian part two. Okay, so, that, and that's a, that's a, that's a thing. So speaking of that, um, in my teeny bopper days, there was this local band called the Descendants. And the Descendants guys were a couple years older than I was. Yeah. So we went to the same high school when I was like a freshman. And Bill and I had public speaking classes together. And public speaking. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. I can see you doing that. I'm not about Bill. Right. That's well, he was, well, the, Bill was, a, he, Bill is fantastic and very eccentric. Yeah. Very and eccentric. so he's an eccentric guy. And so he would always do lectures and speeches on fishing equipment got you and he'd, mentioned br- that. he'd bring a reel or something to the front of the class and be, this is this kind of reel and because i was like what is this guy talking about and of <laughs> course, what is he talking about and then i would always talk about surfing or skateboarding yeah that's kind of where i was yeah and so we kind of knew each other he he had like spanish classes with my sister so a couple yeah. grades above mm. needless to say as bill continued his Billism. uh he became more like a eccentric homeless guy that would go to school gotcha. because in his world, and, and he'll tell you this, that he was like fishing at night and then he would go 
like to downtown and sell the fish mm -hmm. and then he'd like make it back to, to school. So wow. he'd wear like a sleeping bag and have like fish scales and he, he was a fish guy. Yeah. Some people don't know that Bill is a very good rod wrapper. Okay. So he can wrap rods, you know, like the little loops where mm -hmm. the, where the, the, the fishing line goes. Yeah. He, like that's, he's very good at that. You don't even think about these Speaking things. of that and the fishing culture, when I was a, how I met Keith Morris from Circle Jerks was his dad owned Red's Bait and Tackle. So wow. I knew his dad and Keith from the fishing shop. That's fucking crazy, man. Across the street from the lighthouse. So it's like, for most of it, it's like it's all ties together so, in a weird way. Anyway, yeah. speaking of that, so moving, moving, speaking of interesting kick drum patterns, there, the, the first time that I heard Milo goes to college, mm -hmm. okay, um, I couldn't, it was hard for me to wrap my head around, they're all phenomenal writers. Yeah. Phenomenal writers. And how is this guy writing such complex orchestrated drum parts and it's kick true. patterns at what 15 14 yeah. and that's a that too was a like damn you know even even to this day um when you talk about you know in in you talk about the train of let's just say the train of punk rock or alternative totally. music or whatever and and there're a little posts that you pull over little stops yeah and 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 I would think that bill I don't know how he landed into that spot, but he is another one of those game changer drummers yeah. that really like boom. And then, and then the, the ripple kind of effect, yeah. effect went really out. So that's another like that's really, point, really interesting. But, but what I find fascinating is how young, how young he was writing that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. So it's what, insane. How, how would have been teenager? Obviously teeny, teeny, teeny. Yeah. 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 Like teenager, like 14, 15, 14, 15. Fuck. Think about that. Like that's think about having the, like, you know, think about my son making that record right now. It's, yeah. It's you, yeah. You go, well, even the minor threat guys were young. Like yeah. I think, I think Ian was 18, but the other guys were younger, like six, mm -hmm. 16 and stuff. Right. Fuck. He's, he's a couple years older than the other guy. Yeah. I think so. Anyway, that's amazing though. It's, it's, it is a, uh, think about that. Bill Stevenson too. Like, and he wrote a lot of the songs too. He did. They're all phenomenal writers. They're, yeah, see, Milo talked about the other day yeah, they're all phenomenal writers. And, and on the, I, I'll, I'll tie it all together in one six. Remember before I was talking about like the beach house that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Bill knew where I lived. And one day when I was, I don't know, must've been about 20 must have been about 20. I was off walking my dogs or whatever. And I come back to my house and there's this little scribbled note taped to my door. And it's like, Hey, Doug, this is Bill. <laughs> I'm a, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's how organic and just down to earth the Hermosa beach was at yeah. that time. Like literally like you just leave a note on the door and then you're like, Oh, Hey Bill. And that's kind of how that, un and that's how that unfolded. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the first time I played with Bill was in the house where he comes over and he's telling me that he's rebooting the descendants and that mm. Tony can't really do it. And he's like, dude, I'm kind of, you know, leaving my flag. Mm. I'm you know, would you want to do this? I'm like, sure. He's like, well, where do you practice? I'm like, right here at the house. <laughs> and he's like, really where? I'm like <clears> down <throat> in the basement. He pulls his, he had this like a uh, gray VW bus. 
pulls the VW bus in, loads all the drums in, and we did, and we like did like bass and drum rehearsals, like just wow. just raging, raging loud. So what album was that after? So this is as he's recording. I don't want to grow up. Okay. So as he's recording it, he's realizing the record's great. I'm going to redo it or whatever. You know, we're going to, we're going to Milo's on a gap year. Who the hell knows how they're going to do that. Yeah. And we're going to do it one more time. And they find that they don't have somebody that can actually tour, gotcha. which was problematic. And, okay. and that's how I stepped. That's how I got the gig. So was that your, that wasn't your first gig. Cause no. you got, you, when you got that first guitar and you started playing guitar, what was your first band from that? And, um, well, that's was like, so I could kind of play a little bit of guitar. I could kind of play drums a little bit. I could kind of play bass a little bit. So I yeah. was self-taught, self-taught guy. But the first one that was like the first one that was really, um, and as, as I started going down the music world, the singing thing where I did the thing with Fletcher, so yeah. the Connie hundred one. And then from there I started doing stuff that was really angular and noisy so, like very, 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 I guess you could say kind of like free form, like what, what people know as like the birthday party came with Nick Cave. Gotcha. Like I was really locked into that space. Mm. And so I was doing this band called incest cattle, which was incredibly That's angular, name, incredibly yeah. angular. Um, what year would that be? Um, probably 84. Okay. 84 way back on the clock. Cattle, okay. And so it just so happened that the drummer, Paul, worked at the high school. Bill used to run the track. Drummers usually talk. Hey, what are you doing? He's like, yeah. I do this band here. So Paul gives Bill this cassette tape. And he's like, here's my band. Better to die. He's like, you know, Doug, right? And Bill's like, yeah, I know, Doug. He's like, yeah, this is him playing bass. So, he, so that's how it kind of clocked for him. Gotcha. And then also... I worked at this drug store called the Guild Drug. Like that was like my, like, I don't know, whatever, like my day job, I guess, yeah. or whatever my, like, you know, how I paid for bass strings and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And Bill would come in to buy supplies before Black Flag tours. Wow. So I would see him kind of like, hey, Bill, what's going on? And he, again, army jacket, very, very scruffy, just like, yeah. you know, that guy. Yeah. And so that's that's that guy like mm -hmm. you know again the, the the hermosa beach isn't very big no it's really really small yeah you know and and then when you start talking about people that are involved in music whether punk rock or whatever it's like then the the pool is really small totally you totally you run into the same cast of characters and that's that that's that's that yeah so after so from that band um incest cattle right he, he asked you to join Right. Descendants. Right. So, I mean, wow. Ancestral Cattle. So, check this. Dumb. Were you a big fan of Descendants or the record? I didn't really. No, a huge fan of okay, Descendants. Okay, huge. Okay. They're the local band. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. They're insane. Yeah. So, I mean, what. what? It's like a dream. That's like a dream. So, so here's, here's where how the Incest Cattle thing kind of fell apart. Incest Cattle, Paul leaves and. Don Bowles from the germs is now playing drums Oh shit! and it's still very angular and strange, but Don and John, the singer, both kind of are way more tied into the drug culture. Mm. And so I was like, ah, yeah. Were you and, a party kid? Mm, I'm not going to say I wasn't, but I definitely was able to like kind of keep things on the tracks. 
you know? So, so it's like, ah, you know, that that's a whole nother subject later down the line as a dad, you know, where you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, it's just, you do things, but I never was able to like go, I was never able to go like days and days and days on end. Like, you know, I usually had some kind of break point. The other thing too is keep in mind, I wanted to surf the next day. So I knew that if I was like, you know, crazy on tequila or whatever, you're not going to be serving. You're going to be feeling really shitty the next day. And so I was a little bit more like the guy that like tapped out of parties early because waves were good. (laughs) I'm going to go surf in the morning. So there was, it just kind of regulated itself. Like, yeah, "Yeah," like anybody else, but it regulated itself. But, um, so, so incest cattle is kind of going away and, in my neighborhood, there's this venue called the barn and the barn is that. where the barn is like Thanks. in Torrance and, and what's, it's a place where like they had shows on Thursdays yeah. and we would all go to the, do the shows on Thursdays and I got to see everybody there. Yeah. Um, and so I would see descendants there okay. and this is right as Milo goes to college was coming out. Sick. And so it was not only was it, it was in, not only was it incredible, it was like, so, um, undeniably uh genuine yeah and so fucking good like the songs yeah. are great and there's and there's a there are songs that i don't know whether they ever recorded but i got to see as a as a young buck like mm. songs like russianage and just weird like weird fucking songs that yeah. they would do and and the pop melody and love songs all great that shit, great earnest sincere funny crazy <laughs> spastic so it was really like I could either hang out with the drug guys, which is kind of a drag, or I could be like, oh, I'll just go hang out with the crazy coffee guys. And I just jumped with the coffee guys. And it just, it was an easier, better transition for me. Um, And that's, I think it just like, just personality wise, it just fit better, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of fit better. Um, And that, you know, to give people context of like how, how the time was like opposite land, it's like opposite land. So everything that you think about, like with music or the descendants right now, think totally the opposite and you're in the right space. Okay. So like totally the opposite. So here you go. <laughs> like the first descendants tour was in this very, very beat up 1971 Ford Econoline van with no air conditioning. Damn. Okay. And descendants brought a lot of gear. So you know how you build like a loft in your van and, yep. and you do every, equipment's underneath and the dudes are up top. Yeah. So in opposite land, uh, <laughs> in, in opposite land, in descendants, opposite land, the, the area was so small that Bill and Milo would have to decide and Ray and Matt would have to decide are they going to sleep on their back for the next six hours or on their stomach for the next Damn. six hours? Cause you ain't flipping over. Holy That's shit. how narrow it was. Gnarly. The coffin and shit. Yes. We called it the scratch stack. Cause it was like, you know, not even eight. It was like one fist away from the, the ceiling. So it's gnarly. Yeah. Then with the beat up again, you're in opposite land. So it's like, everything's <laughs> different. It's humorous and great. It's opposite land. So in opposite land, you don't have a good van. You have a van that breaks down every day. So that means what you need to do is play the show and you're in opposite land. So there's not <laughs> a lot of people. There's only a few crazy people that show up to the shows. Damn. When Milo says couldn't sell out a telephone booth, he's not fucking lying. 
It's like this band is a menacing chainsaw pop band playing to six people in some in fucking Gainesville or something. So I never did more overnight drives in my life than touring with Descendants. Every night was an overnight drive because you had to build in time for the van in opposite land that would always break down. And I think on that tour, we replaced the transmission because it was so overloaded with gear. Yeah. Like gear, lots of gear that I think we replaced the transmission three times, four times on one tour. Holy shit. It was was a gnarly tour and super like the funnest, craziest. um, Just, it was just a crazy thing. Um, I, I, there were times I was, I, I was out of two, so I must've been about like 20 now. Okay. Must've been like 20. I don't even know if I was 21, 20. At I that think? point you just working at, I mean, did you have goals to, when you graduated to do something? You just wanted to do music. Did you realize that, that, well, oh, you just kind of fell into no, it. how about this? Music is a bit like an evil twin that I can't outrun. Okay. And it's something that quoting Joan Rivers, why is a nun a nun? because she has to be. And for me, I didn't choose music at all. It okay. just fell in front of me and I, it just felt so natural to yeah. do it. And there are times where you're like, I hate it. And then <laughs> I true. fucking hate this world. It's so and true. it's so like, again, in opposite land, there's no career in playing in a no. punk band to six people in Gainesville. Especially back then. Are you man. out of your mind? Come yeah. on. So I was doing it more like just for my, it was entertaining. Vacation. It yeah. was super fun and entertaining. And I, again, for me, having as much fun as humanly possible going into, you know, you got to travel all over the place. Yeah. Granted, the conditions weren't always optimum. You know, it was always kind of sometimes sketchy. And but playing live was so fun. But right? it was so much fun. And, um, and playing the songs you love too. It's so yeah. Cool. And there were, I mean, that's a whole, you know, come on. I got to play, you know, want to be a bear and stuff like that. You know, it's like, so you get, I got to play my edge and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's a whole, again, a whole nother, uh, for me, I've been playing music so long that I'm way at the front of the engine. I'm, it's like a long train and I'm at the front. Yeah. And then I look back every once in a while and I go, holy shit, I did that too. Mm-hmm. It's this long train. And that's one, again, one very funny thing, living in opposite land and, and dealing with like, it's this pre-warp tour, pre-corporate yeah. punk rock. It's so usually the club, Pre-internet. You, usually the, usually the, the promoters were like maybe the, like the local drug dealer or something. And it was like a front for some other thing. It was like, it was, uh. it was so sketchy, so <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, at the it's same exciting. time, it was Young super too. exciting. And, and you got to go and meet people and all, everywhere and you know the um the sometimes sometimes in life it's not the destination but the journey yes and it was the journey and you just go holy smoke i would spend summers wandering around from one city to the next city not even sure whether the venue was open was it burnt down is the promoter there is he in jail Mm -hmm. is it a good show is it a bad show you roll up to 10 in opposite land like now you now you have like um got the internet and you've got like iPhones and all that other stuff in opposite land. You went to the town 
and then you went to the shittiest part of town and then you looked for a telephone pole with your flyer and you ripped the flyer down and you're like, that's the club. And then you drive towards it and that's how you got there. There's your map quest, yeah. There's no fucking map quest, yeah, no, dude. It, yeah. There's nothing like that. It was Rand McNally. It was like that road atlas. Yeah. And you just, so what you, you kind of did was like you got lost. You just like went to the city and you had to build in time for getting lost. Yeah. Because you don't And know. breaking down. And breaking down. So... Uh, total opposite land total opposite land. how long was that first tour is it pretty long they're always long they're always like three or four months damn they're always long in fact in opposite land here's it again descendants i love it because it's opposite land maybe the first tour that you did you got like a tour itinerary yeah. on a piece of paper with like these are the dates you're gonna be does i got a piece of lumber with scribble and it was like, what is that? And it's like, so that's opposite land. So Holy at the shit. time, Black Flag was playing all over the nation. And they were going over to England and stuff like that. But for, for the sake of this conversation, they're figuring out how to travel in America. And so when they're traveling, they didn't really have a booking agent. So they kind of had their own extension called Global and Global was run by Jordan Schwartz and Jordan and kind of Chuck were the guys that picked up the phones and did the Got shows, you. right? And then there was SST and that entity. And then when you'd go to SST, who would be working at SST? D Boone, Mike Watts. So it was the wow. same. They kind of had gigs like inside the space and then they'd go tour. Mm. Yeah. But needless to say, Jordan had booked the first tour uh, and, and Bill was writing it down on a piece of lumber, like, okay, so we're going to be at this show and we're going to be at this show. And that's kind of how it worked. And, and so it wasn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't really organized. There's no was, guarantee either. Guarantees. Get what, you, get what you get. That's again, you're in opposite land. That's a whole different guarantees. No, you're, there's no way to guarantee the venue will even be yeah. there. What are you talking about? Money. So you would have played that tour in 85 when they came through living room Providence. Yeah. Uh, that's the first time I saw you guys. I yeah. Player. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been like, that would have been considered a good show because they had show. decent, they had decent PA system, Real decent club. stage. And they, they actually fed the bands, mm. which would have been, hey baby, which would have been really cool. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that would have been, yeah, the first, in fact, the first shows the Descendants did east of Phoenix I don't think they ever played outside of Southern California. Oh, well, wow. they played, yeah, they played Northern California. They played San Francisco, like Mabuhay and stuff like that. Yeah. But they never went further. So like the, the first Dallas show, the first El Paso show. So that was probably the first East, East Coast show I saw. Mm -hmm. or one of them in yeah. Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And that's the whole, like, that. so I'm going to segue into like Ian. For okay. a second. Okay, yeah. so here you go. So descendants are driving in the shitty van and we're making our way, making our way from one city to another, drinking lots of coffee and having a lot of fun and having more, um, being always menaced with not having enough clothes because like you just sweat through your clothes all the time and mm -hmm. you can't, don't have time to stop for laundry. So you're yep. just, I don't know what you're doing. Just wet clothes all the time. I'm a wet rat. A, just a wet rat. Super original DIY shit. Dude, man. so... The, which it's like I will it is what it is but again yeah. it's opposite land and in opposite land you have to have your show clothes because you're not doing laundry so there are many I mean, see they didn't take a lot of pictures back then you know punkers like break cameras and shit yeah but 
I did many, many, many shows, both with Descendants and Dag Nasty, just playing in boxers. Why? Pray tell, Doug. Because wow. I would take my boxers off, wash them in the sink in the venue, and then hang them in the van. And then the next day, you got show clothes clean, ready Holy to go. So it was shit. like, that's how sloshy and wet you were. Oh, you know how much, yeah. come on, dude. You're a wet rat when yeah. you stop playing. It's like, that's you because we underwear and shit. Yeah, you just have to change. That's why, that's how I did it. Wow. That's how I did it. But anyway, so Descendants are rolling through DC. <laughs> gonna play the 930 club roll to the 930 club we're in the back the old 930 club roll yeah. in the back gang 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 knock on the door door swings open and who is the stage manager Ian Fuck. and I'm like what is going on what my, is my happening oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what is happening and Ian the nicest guy in the world says oh yeah he's like I have a thing with the club where they let me in if I help assist the band's and get him on stage and get him off stage. Holy so he kind of like had his own way of doing it because mm -hmm. he was, again, even way before then was super tied into the clubs. Yeah. And so he was a bit like the ambassador. Okay. So that was... Welcome to DC. Incredible. In fact, at that show was the first time that I went to and slept in Discord House. Wow. Again, like Descendants, where are you sleeping? I don't know. Just Ian, well, you could sleep at Discord house. You could sleep at the house. Okay. Drive the van over. Some people slept in the van. I know I took the couch. Wow. You know, there man. you go. First night in DC. So that's amazing. That's how that, um, that's opposite land. Like yeah. you just, you meet and, and how you can't, you can't, um, you can't trade that in or like, you couldn't even imagine that. I can't imagine. You can't imagine that, but those are real. Like that's real. Super it's real and life funny life. and strange and bizarre. Mm -hmm. And that's how I met Ian was that way. <laughs> that's so As cool. he was hugging amps, like helping, helping descendants load in. Wow. Freaky. So, so after that tour, how long did you stay with descendants for and continue with them? It was probably about three tours. Three tours. Three full. Yeah. On that album. Well, it was like, well, the first tour, we were just touring for Grow Up. Okay. Okay. And then, so I'm going to say it's probably about maybe like a two year, two and a half year chunk of time. That's nonstop road. Okay. And in between the road is writing songs and recording and nonstop road. So it's like that about two, about two and a half years, something like that. Okay. But insane, like insane touring, not regular, like go out for two, four months and then come home for two weeks. And yeah. Back out for four were you writing months. songs with them too? Yes. Yes. So yeah, they were always really like, they're always pretty open to ideas and, yeah. and, Things like that. So like, yeah, like, you know, I wrote Sour Grapes, for example. Fuck, man. You I know, didn't know you, that, dude. Yes. That's one of my favorite And I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nerd out and go one step further. I wrote Sour Grapes on the Spanish guitar the lady gave me, That's Carol Shigley, on my porch in Hermosa Beach, California. Wow, As I man. did Green. I wrote Green on the porch, looking at the waves. Like, yeah, waves are kind of shitty. Here's another one. Did it? And again, Sour Grapes are my favorite Descendants songs. There you go. I had no idea. You there, that song there you either. go. And Milo, Milo did all his did the lyrics. I did the music. Bill helped do the orchestration. Everybody in the band is wonderful writers. And wow. it, and in that bizarre opposite land, you know, in that world, like here, I, I got that's something. like a straight up. I got something for you. <laughs> there you go. I said this to Milo and. Um, 
obviously Ramones is a big influence to him too. Sure. But like they were more for me they're more like I don't know, do wopish more. I feel like I don't want to say the the originals of pop punk is descendants, but those melodies and those love songs like Sour Grapes and Clean Sheets, all those songs like the melodies was incredible, man. It was very pop, man. Well, you know, I could be on the radio that song. You well, you got you, you're in opposite land. So think about this. Really, if you want to start pulling it down, you're talking about like the Beach Boys. Yeah, that's what you mentioned. Lightning fast, like fucking lightning fast. He as, mentioned the Beach Boys as Beach fast Boys. as you could humanly play, and then even faster. That's probably how I clocked it. Was more like Beach Boys, like trying to. Like little teeny, said that. little teeny nugget pop songs, but 30, you know, a minute and 30 seconds, minute, 22 seconds. Milo goes to college is 22 minutes. The whole yeah. record. Yeah. You know, but that Fuck. in, in context, again, wonderful writers, very sincere, <laughs> incredible. And then at the same time, like chasing this pop nugget, a pop nugget, but, 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 but not trying to be. No, big or trying to be. No, was no that was even unheard, no. that was even unheard of to even be on the radio. But the songs could be on the radio. Think about those songs. So like, the pop sensibility of all of them it was fucking incredible. Nobody was singing love songs like that in the punk world. There was no, no that was a, that was that. a different that was a different that was a different beast. That was a different beast. And and you know for for better or for worse, it is it is what it is. It's like they're you know. I mean, if you think about like the Descendants is a strange is the Descendants is a strange animal, you know. Yeah. It's a bit like being on the Yankees, where like I love them and th- I and I'm still like an alumni guy that they like they still I talk to them and they're sure. You know? So it's a whole different thing, and nothing makes me more proud than to see where they are now. Crazy. And it's almost like it's almost like if you built a part that ended up on the space shuttle and you're like, Jesus Christ, the space shuttle is going. It's like that. So I take a great deal of pride in like building one of the wheels on the space shuttle or something. It's like really, really a trip. And then there's another part of me too, which is um, people would, I'm a guy that's always looking through the front windshield, not looking in the rear view mirror. So I, I like that. I'm really like, I have it. I was like, yeah, that stuff's bitching. I'm glad you like that song. Here's a hug. I love you. Hey, I got other things to do and I'm just moving forward. I, I, I like that. I'm always moving forward. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I cut off or I'm not connected to the past as much as I'm more, I'm more <laughs> frothy yeah. about moving forward, you know, but, but it had such a major impact. Insane. On the world. Insane. I mean, that's, that is, you know, Yes. And it was, of course, I mean, in context, I'm going to give you context. Remember, we're in opposite land. Yes. When Milo Goes to College came out, it sold 2,000 records. Wow. We were like, holy shit, there's 2,000 people that like Descendants. That's fucking, That's a, lot fucking a lot. That's what I mean. Where now you're like, you know, now we're in a whole different world. But for them, that was insane. That's insane. huge back then. It's yeah. insane. You're like, that's like. Crazy. So did did you see the audience get obviously the first tour was like not many people with them? No, no way. No No way, man. No way. It it was not like that at all. It was opposite (laughs) land. So in opposite land, you're playing Lincoln, Nebraska to six people. It's like record. 
Yeah. Wow. For uh, like, uh, I mean, in the big cities, yeah. sometimes you can get a couple of knuckleheads out. You know what I mean? There, those, there's that. And then there's you, when you start playing. You know, America's very big. I know. And boy, there's a lot of lonely Tuesdays that you got to fill. <laughs> It's and so I don't know. Jerk. God bless you. Where are you going to be? Oh, I don't know. You know, that's rough. It's rough. And so then you apply the opposite land template and you're like, it's rugged and rough. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, what was my purpose of doing that? To play and have as much fun as humanly possible. Totally. So for me, we laid it. We, there'd be four people there and yeah. we'd have the best show ever because it was a lot more of a personal yeah a, a personal goal and accomplishment and we loved hanging out with each other and yeah. loved playing in it's like it, it's like chainsaw music it's like chainsaw mm -hmm. pop and yeah. and being able to execute that on a, at any time stop try different things mm -hmm. you know that was very it was a uh a ton of fun and for people who saw that and connected with those songs that's amazing and then many 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 years later it's great to see where they are and how they're like people still love those they love those songs they love, it, it seemed like they it, love it, those it songs like it, they're phenomenal yeah, writers it, it bigger later it's crazy it like yes it caught on later like well you but, know, but, and, and think about those records are so big to me as an impact as a child and how I've loved those records my whole entire life as almost a 50-year-old man, and how where descendants are now, but the impact those records had on you your entire life. But back then you said like it wasn't as big as you imagined it to be, looking at it as a fan's perspective, because to me those records are fucking huge and so important. Right. It's interesting how you guys just out there just playing to like four to yeah. six people. Yeah, you're just doing the do. It's a, but it, But what that, I guess what that means is Remember before we were talking about like the intention and I'm yeah. not, not going to say the purity of it, but just the intention of like, we love these songs. Yeah. Let's go. And it didn't really. So all those other things of like how economically challenging it was, you're playing to two people. Yeah. You've got a long 12 hour drive after this. It was like, it didn't really matter Yeah, because we were having so much fun applying um, that to creating music. Yeah. So you, it just kind of, you know, kind of like overrode all of the negative yeah, stuff. Fuck. All the negative stuff got washed away really <clears throat> fast. And so the guys are just like, we're just doing it for fun, putting these records out. Yeah. Go back. Record, yeah. have a there's job no career, dude. No there's career. no career. No career. You're not going to lean at that time. You're not leaning your ladder against the, we're climbing the charts. Mm -hmm. There's no fucking career, man. Yeah. It's, well, I'm going to go even one step further. <laughs> I didn't get into punk rock because I was social. I was antisocial. Good point. As antisocial. So those people that know me, they know like, oh, that guy moves a million miles an hour, totally positive. Yet. And then there are people that don't know me. And then there's this other phenomena, which is for every hour I spend around people, I spend an hour by myself. Yeah. And so I, like I didn't that. get into punk rock because I was like a social guy at all. It was like, ah, I wish I could have outrun it. I, you know, and it just was something where you go, fuck, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And so it just, maybe even, maybe in a, in a way it was, uh, that was the way I connected with people. Yeah. Yeah. The music. The, yeah. yeah. You know, even like when you're surfing and stuff like that, surfing can be a little bit of a, if you're not, I never really prefer to be around like big crowds of surfing and stuff like that. Yeah. So you're kind of like, it's you and a buddy. It's very like, it's a, 
two people going out surfing. And you have your little <laughs> squad of guys mm-hmm. skating. You know, you might have a team of guys, you know, four guys. Yeah. If you were to have four guys going skating, that might even be a bit of a bummer because everybody has to wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) So I was always like incredibly like, like lone wolf guy. And and punk rock was, even though I was incredibly antisocial, it was my connection to people. Gotcha. You know? And, and, and I, and that was like that. Yeah. Very, very. And I think that there's, I think that there's something very similar to, uh, uh, Bill can be kind of socially awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. Milo can be socially awkward. Yeah. Ray could be incredibly socially awkward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I kind of fit in that in that camp in a in a weird way. Yeah. Because every maybe it was like a strength in numbers where everybody kind of got together and just rolled. You yeah. know. But um, I don't think I I don't think I've ever laughed more on a tour than those tours. Yeah. Where it was just total chaos mm-hmm. and it was like maybe like um the four stooges yeah or like the little rascals or something yeah with guitars yeah like that i love that <laughs> so <laughs> after that record what 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 else was next was livage after oh that? okay so he, so here's what's going on so those are the first two. okay so so here's here, I'll, I'll try to connect the dots how did i get from hermosa beach all the way over to dc yeah. Tell, sir. Okay. So here yeah. you go again. Remember before where I was talking about like, I didn't delineate the fact that there was like different camps. Yep. I don't fucking know. Yep. You know what I mean? That, you know, San Francisco doesn't like the Southern California bands. I, I'm like, You're I, gr- I, I, don't, I don't get it. What are you talking about? Yeah. I don't get it. What are you talking about? So <laughs> second time descendants go through DC 930 club rack tech attack on the back door. Ian's there, but I go downstairs and I meet Brian. Ah, now this is interesting. So Brian has this new band. And again, I don't know him. Hello. Nice to meet you. How are you? I'm a friendly enough guy. He's kind of a character. Again, I'm a little bit like, holy shit. I love those fucking minor threat records, you know, know, kind of crazy. Like, dude, that's really incredible. But you know, (laughs) you know, uh, thinking about Fletcher, like Fletcher, I'm standing with Brian Becker. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, fucking awesome. And so Brian, has this new project. It's called Dagnasty. And what he's doing is it's now Sean, right? And and Sean singing. Boom, they blast through the set. Great. It's great. I'm really, it's really incredible. They're really pushing the envelope of this, um, the, the, where, I don't know, maybe even more like where Minor Threat left off and where, what the possibilities of melodic punk rock, where that was going. Got you. Interesting. So, Boom, huh, hug, see you next time. So a couple months later, Descendants are now touring up into Canada. And we're doing like Buffalo, Canada, Montreal, yeah. blah, 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 Detroit. All Which that. record's that? We're st- I'm still, it's in that, like we're, we're maybe even touring in joy. So okay. we're in that space, yeah. okay? And lo and behold, Dagnasty is going to come out and they're going to do maybe eight shows, seven shows, something like that. Boom. And all of a sudden, Brian has a new guy and his name's Dave. And you go, okay, cool. Shake, blah, blah, blah. And it's Dave, blonde hair. They're all like platinum blonde dudes and mm-hmm. they're kind of characters. They play great. Blah, blah, blah. Dave bounces. Okay. They go back. Nice to meet you. Hug. Hi, hi, Brian. Great. Cool. Fun guy. Descendants are getting ready to go out and do yet another tour. <laughs> Holy Blinding. shit. So this is now like summer of 86. Are the crowds so, getting more people? No, it's, people? It, it's, right. there's sometimes... Dude, it's opposite land. There's sometimes Fuck. it's working. 
No, I'm not. I'm not gonna say that that it's always like that. Yeah. But there, there are many lonely Tuesdays <laughs> playing <Yeah>. Kalamazoo. <laughs> just you know, it is what it is. Sure. It is what it is. That still happens. You know, to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You got. You know. I'm not. I'm not lying when I say, no, yeah, I you could, you. we could, we could do New York and New York would do okay. And yeah. then there are times where you, you, you have a lonely Tuesday in Kalamazoo or just, yeah. and, you're, and you're like, this is a trip, but <laughs> to, but to stay fun, to keep it fun. So needless to say, descendants is getting, descendants are getting ready to go back out and do another run of dates, a gazillion dates. Yeah. And Dagnasty is going to now do maybe like 25. Okay. Okay. So they're going to come on a certain chunk of the, a certain chunk of the dates. Up rolls the band, and who steps out? The third singer, Peter Kortner. Shit. What? And I'm like, dude, like every time I, I've seen your band three fucking times, <laughs> and every time you got a different fucking guy. Like, what's singing, going on yeah. here? And again, on that tour, Peter's like, okay, so Peter's a different dude in that he's the guy that would be more likely to not necessarily talk not be more of a reader as opposed to look at me, the spotlight on me guy. He ain't gotcha. like that at all. Yeah. So he's just more like, Hmm, deep in thought, scribbling in a book, writing, didn't even really want to maybe even be in the gang. Like, yeah. it, like, you know, like two bands traveling together. He'd totally. be, the, he'd be the guy that would like fade into the back and be like, eh, okay, I respect well, whatever, that. <laughs> whatever. You know, these knuckleheads are getting grilled cheese yeah. sandwiches at Danny's. I don't want to be anywhere close to that. Yeah. Bring me something or whatever. That's kind of his trip. So doing his own thing, doing his own, totally doing his own thing. So, but what happened was on that tour, Brian and I got really close. Okay. And so sometimes when bands, especially back in the punk days, you know, you're, you're, I don't, have you ever done a tour with a band where it's like, just for shits and giggles, you're like, dude, you, you and Brian, you go in that van and we'll take this van and you trade guys. Cause it everybody's with, heard the Toby stories yeah. and now you get to, you know, fuck, I don't fucking know. That happened with Adam on the H tour shelter tour. Adam sure. Rode in our van and then sure. joining our band. And yeah. that's super healthy yes. and great. Because you, you, you're in a submarine and you're like, whoa, I can be in a different submarine, yeah, different true. crew of guys. So in that world, Brian and I ended up like just lockstep and we were always hanging out and always like, you know, there was, I'm going to tell you this, in opposite land, Descendants in two and a half years, never, I only remember staying in one hotel. Okay. So opposite land. Holy now those shit. tours, Dagnasty Descendants tours fall into that category of opposite land. So <laughs> Brian, this one's for you. Hitler is a punk. So when, when you stayed at kind of like the punker crash pad, which sometimes wasn't cool because for them, it's like, let's party all night. But for the band, you're like, Jesus, I just got to get some sleep. My yeah. throat's totally trashed. Yeah. And so you, sometimes you're staying in like the squatty kind of punk. And people house. hang out the band and just right. play the second on night. Uh, duh, duh. And so, <laughs> uh, and so Brian had a tendency to want to kind of retreat a little bit to recharge the battery. Yeah. And me lone wolfing, I would always be like, all right, let's kind of recharge the battery. And, and so we bunked many, 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 many nights. Okay. So, the tour's ending. Brian's heading back to DC. Gotcha. Descendants are up toward the like Chicago area. Yeah. Right? We end up going toward Minneapolis and we're staying with Grant Hart and we start practicing 
kind of like the next batch of songs. Got you. Okay. Now, the next batch of songs were kind of like more fusiony, flaggish, more process of weeding out-ish, more where all was. And you talking th- about the all record? I'm talking about that batch. Gotcha. Now, for me, I'm still locked into that one minute, 22 second totally. pop nugget. Yeah. Pop nugget. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I don't. It just meant I was like, there's no career. Remember, there's no career. No You're career. in opposite land. So I just kind of was like, hey, Bill, I think I'm going to kind of like start playing with Brian. And Bill's like, okay. And it was just like That's that. Awesome. It wasn't even a big deal. That's it was, amazing, it wasn't, a, it was like, one of those things where again, remember, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go back to the, I'm going to go back to like the, the beach house and the beach house being unlocked. Yeah. And this is how much I love bill. Like, cause those tours didn't really make a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know if many weeks later after I'm like off and doing my own things, he comes to my house, goes into my house, writes a check and leaves the check on my like dining room table. This is like, or something? yeah. Wow. But that's what I mean. Like doors unlocked, totally honest, check, yeah. just honest guy. Just like, Hey dude, mm. this, you know, you made $8. You go, Woo, Taco <laughs> Bell for everybody. Yes. Let's go. So, <laughs> so needless to say, Brian decides that he's going to come out to Los Angeles. He comes out, yeah. we're hanging out. Brian is funny and crazy and eccentric in his own way. While we're doing that, we had connected with Brad from Doggy Style. Yep. And we kind of had like, Brad didn't really have players and we did this kind of, we're experimenting and jamming. And we do this kind of like a recording with him. And we're now toward the tail end of the summer and it's now starting to get like January or so. And Brian says to me, dude, I got to kind of get back to D.C., you know, he'd like, it'd be fun. I did the rock and roll. I did the rock and roll Hermosa beach summer and hung out with Fletcher. And we did all the, all the crazy things that you're supposed to do. Yes. I got to get back to DC. And he says to me, he's like, dude, I'm thinking about rebooting Dag Nasty. Do you maybe want to come back with me? Great. And so in Hermosa beach, in the house, in the basement, Brian and I start shedding what becomes wig out. Wow, man. So a lot of people don't. I'm Fuck. sorry, people in podcast land. I worked both coasts. Yeah. You know, some, like I'm not a, I'm not a East Coast guy. I'm Born kinda, in Queens though. You know, but Fucking so it's amazing. like, I'm, which we're going to get to the, like the phenomena. <laughs> it's a phenomena. So I, I don't even, I didn't delineate between camps. I was yeah. just like, cool. So I love that. A lot of people don't know that we, that Brian had maybe three songs. He, he I think he had like trying three songs or something like that. But the bulk of Godfather or the bulk of, of wig out was written in Hermosa beach. And we take this batch of songs now and we go, we're like, all right, we're going back to DC, throw it all in (laughs) in the, I don't know if you've seen photos of the dag bus. It was like a school bus, right? Throw it now. By that time it was painted all black. And we're like, just the, it's like the Manson family or something. I don't know what's going on. And we drive it down, down the 10 and we're like, you know, rage all the way across the States. Just the two of us. Yeah. Amps. Two of us go to Atlanta, hung out with his dad for a second. From there, we picked up a second car and then we kind of 
caravan where I drove the van and he drove this other car. His dad was giving him a car or whatever. Okay. We end up back in DC. We're staying at his mom's house in Georgetown nice. and we're now kind of rebooting it. And we show Peter and Colin, the next batch of songs, Colin Sears, Colin. Right. And so Colin lives up in Bethesda up that yep. way. And so he too had a rehearsal place in his dad's house in the basement. Perfect. And we just started shedding the songs and that became, mm. um, that batch of songs became, Wiggle. So can I say, and the, and the small thing, how long had that been over for before Brian rebooted it with you? Was there like a I, long I, gap I, between those records? There, there was, oh, that's a good question. So I'm going to go with like, he was pretty, he wasn't even, he was, it's like, he's on his third singer. Is it working? Ah, you know, he, yeah. Peter, bless his heart, is touring and singing a record that he didn't sing on. Got you. So he's like, what the fuck? You know, what? You know yeah. but, but Peter's a total trooper. Like he's, yeah. he, Peter's incredibly humble. So he's like, all right, cool. I'm up for the experience. I'm up for the journey. Mm. Now, Brian has to tap the brakes and be like, all right, what am I, what's my next play? So I'm going to go with, there's maybe almost like a year gap between when he comes out to Southern California and when Wig Out comes out. Okay. And in that, there's maybe like, we're maybe on the West coast for six months, eight months. Six Cause months. Molly was in it for a short, short T- period of time. Teeny, time, teeny amount of time. Like, a, like I think he was only in for like eight months. Okay. It, like a, a, a incredibly narrow bandwidth of time. That's that an incredible, incredible record to make in that. that time I didn't frame, learn though. that until way later. Yeah. That's... You know? Um, and so that's kind of the, that's kind of that, like the, the batch of songs that came to wig out were shedded in Hermosa beach at the beach house. So, the, um, um, I was going to say, uh, fuck, I forgot. Peter wrote the lyrics to the We Got record. Yeah. You guys wrote the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned Godfather. Was that one of the first ones written? Yeah. In, in that That's batch. like one of the, my favorite songs yeah, of all time. Yeah, in that batch. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was, um, it's just a different, different, Peter has a different process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody, nobody was really like looking over lyrics or, you know, what are you saying? Anything like that. It was just kind of like everybody had their own spot on, um, at the time, I know f- I'm going to thread the needle on something that's really interesting. How I play bass versus how everybody else plays bass. Yeah. I play bass with very, very straight, minimalistic lines. Yeah. So I'm more lined up with like Dee Dee Ramone or The Cure. I like that. As opposed to, I love Carl and I love Tony. And they're very busy bass players. Mm-hmm. Very, very busy. So Canal, you said Canal? Uh, Tony Canal? Uh, uh, yes. Oh, I was you. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, well, I was talking about Tony Lombardo. My bad. Right. Descendants guy who's very That's squirrely. Right. So again, I'm going to nerd out on music for a second. Yeah. So sometimes in my ear, the bass is a foundation that's supporting the vocal melody and the guitar. In I agree. Some other people's world, the bass sometimes is playing a counter melody to what's going on musically, which for me sometimes is a little bit too busy. Yeah. Because I'm the first person to say, I love the Ramones. I love the Cure. I love that super straight, straight line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which was very different. So that's how Godfather is like three notes mm-hmm. and it's just a driving bass part. Mm. That's a and good that's, point. you know, um, what was, what was the inspiration for like the direction of Wig Out compared? Because can I say it was just straightforward, like just hardcore. You know, those melodies on the but Wig yeah. Out was just a, 
Was it because of Peter's vocals that made it sound that way? Maybe the songs were... I don't know the songs. Well, some... okay, so, so look at... Just look at the two different... Look at the two bot. Look at the two records. And yeah. Dave is more of an anthem guy. Good point. A little bit more rah 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 mm-hmm. soccer chant guy. Mm-hmm. Peter is more like a poet. Very different energy. Totally different dude. Peter's not going to be Mick Jagger. Yeah. He's not that guy. But how did you find Peter? What, did he come from another band? I don't know. Brian showed up. Wow. With, Brian showed up. I am in Descendants, and Peter shows up, and he's got green dreadlocks. Sick. He's a fucking weirdo. Like so a weirdo. Cool. Um, so nobody knows if he came from another band or not. I'm going to find he, out. Well, he did come from other bands. Okay. He played in other bands, but the thing is, is that when, when and you'd have to ask, you know, I, I don't know whether Peter would ever do a podcast. You have to ask him. That's yeah. a whole nother subject. That's a whole nother subject, but I'm going to try. You, you can try, but, <laughs> I, but I know he played in bands cause he came from Tacoma park, but oh. Peter responded to an ad in the newspaper. Holy shit. And so in Peter's world, he was just like, I don't really have anything to lose by going and auditioning. Wow. And then he had this different vibe that Brian really liked. And so that in comes Peter, Holy which is shit. so, but it was something as, as like city paper or whatever the local yeah. paper is, whatever the local paper is Holy from, shit. from there. That's how he did it was like yeah. that. And he just went and auditioned tried and tried out just like that. And I think he might've even done it partly as a, I don't even, I'm not going to say as a joke, more, more like to test himself. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like a personal, uh, like, can I hang with these guys? Mm-hmm. Like, would this work? <laughs> would this and work? And he didn't really come from punk probably, right? Maybe. Well, he, a little bit, but more, he, he has more of like a, a little bit more of like a noise background. I like that. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of things that connect together with Peter, like craft work. I mean, Peter again has a very broad Wide broad range of, range of music. Punk is only one particular yeah. tentacle yeah. of that thing. And he's the first to, you know, he'll, he'll tell you. Um, but he also, if you look at like the, the, by the time wig out had come out, that might even be considered a more fragile approach to vocals. Okay. Okay. So interesting. David was more, Yaw, yaw, you know, er, yeah, you know, er, er, leaning aggressive. into it, aggressive. Yeah. Where Peter, it's much more, um, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, it's just much more fragile. He's re like motion. S- you, your word, not mine. Fragile. Yeah. But that is what might be considered the precursor to that emo core thing. So, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I always say Rites of Spring and Brace are like the OGs yes. of that. The, yes. DC is like the, where that should be. For me personally, where I, I think it came from. But all music has emotion in it. Sure. Even the hardest bands. Even Gnostic Front has emotion to it. Right. I'm sick of it all. Sure. But <clears throat> Peter's vocals, and particularly on that record, even when I listen to it now, some shit gives me goosebumps because there's something in his voice that connects me. And, I, and this is a compliment. He's, he, he, the same effect that Chris Martin from Coldplay has on me Peter has it on me. I told him that the other day. I don't know if he understood that because I love Coldplay, but like there's something, some emotion in his voice and those songs, even Godfather. I talked to my friend the other day who 
was just listening to that record again. There's something that gives me like so so much emotion listening to that just that one song. I mean, all the songs are great, but there's right. something in there, man. Well, I th- I Powerful. think I think that for you know, like all of us, you know, we're all kind of complex individuals. Yeah. And I think that he just decided that he was going to expose a little bit of that. Peel some, yeah, peel some layers off. And so, you know, it's a lot of deep reflection and it's more, it's not like, fuck you, you did something wrong. He's not the guy that, uh, okay, so I don't know if we talked about this before, but Peter can speak, um, uh, he's a reader. So he can speak in a language and insult you without you really knowing you're being insulted. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> yeah. So, so, <laughs> which is something that a lot of people are like, what? And I think you and I were talking about this before where when he, he can say things that you think he means one thing and he's actually meaning something very, very different. And that, so he's like, there's a bunch of layers going on and he has, he's a, he's a, he's a bit of a wordsmith, but Mm. he's also a guy that like, he, he knows how to maneuver around things and, and speak in, um, metaphors differently than other people. Yeah. And that's, that's always been really interesting to me. And so Godfather's another one where you go, is it about a train? Is it about mm. a relationship that's breaking? <laughs> what? What's he speak? Yeah. How come? How come the song? How come the song like only has the word Godfather in it once, and it's not the hook? Like there's, mm. he's he again. Pretty amazing, man. He, it's an ama- you know it's an amazing, and also he's the he's a guy that like you know it, it's very real. Yeah. Very real. Very sincere. You know, it's very, you know, he's grappling with things in life growing up. It's probably emotion, very therapeutic. Relationships. Yeah. And he's writing it down and then it kind of like comes out in those and, and people can connect to that. Yeah. Mm. There's that. And I was spilling malt liquor on my Maya Threat sticker. When I first heard that, I was like, is that a diss? I even asked him that a couple weeks yeah. ago. It's like, not at all. Like, it just, the play on words with that too. Is right. That's what I mean about like the like yeah. the play on words. When you think about that, you, you're like, does that mean that he's like a drug guy, and and is is it like f you like the minor threat guys? Yeah. That... When I was young, I was like, what does that mean? I didn't understand. Yeah. And then Peter would be the first. You know, he's he's again. He's probably he's, he's a ninth level thinker. He's he's a ninth level thinker, and he's very well read. It's kind of like trying to dissect bad religion lyrics. Sometimes you go what's that guy talking about? Mm. What the hell's going on? Well, for Peter, it's self-reflection. Okay. (laughs) Inside that. And that can be complicated. And there are times where he's going to shine. He's going to show you the shiny object. And at the same time, you're not going to know how much it hurts. Mm. That's a great, that's a great. So at that point, I think, I'm probably going to be wrong because I'm wrong about the sentence. Was Dagnasty big at that time? Like after no. Can I Say? No. I mean more than Opposite Land. So opposite so no, it's not so it's not so bad. It's not so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad, but keep in mind, okay, so what you you know, we're pre-warp tour, we're pre so there's yeah, a whole different shit. animal. Day, so stuff, yeah. again, you do pretty good in Dallas, but boy, there's a lonely show in Chattanooga. <laughs> you know, just yeah. a lonely Tuesday. Yeah. And you just grind them out. And um, 
fun. You know, it's super fun, different, a whole different trip. A yeah, but when that record trip. came out, it was totally different. New singer, what was your reaction to Wigan when it first came out back then? You remember because it wasn't Dave Small, it wasn't the vibes of Can I Say. It was what? more melodic. It was well, more. I mean, I know, like, when we started playing the songs for Wigan, we just, we just leaned into it. Yeah. We just leaned into it. We're, you know, part of the, um, why do you record songs? You record songs because you think they're great and you want to yeah. e- express them. And yeah. so, and sometimes it connects with people and sometimes whoosh goes right over their head. Mm-hmm. And I would say wig out was a record where it's like, we love those songs and we are proud of those songs yeah. and we're going to lean right into them. And if you got it awesome. And if you didn't, that's okay too. Okay. Remember there's a, there's like, for the people that bought in on Can I Say, you couldn't have a stranger second record than have Wig Out. <laughs> you know, you go, what the hell is going on? Yeah. What is this band? Yeah. You know, then there are people that were like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't have to be so guarded. Mm-hmm. I don't have to sing soccer chants. Mm-hmm. I can talk about things. I can identify with things emotionally. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, Just, good point. And, and I think that unintentionally, as the punkers kind of grew up, maybe they wanted something with a little bit more um, thought. Okay. Not that I don't love simple punk songs, but Peter was kind of coming at it with a little bit more of an intellectual... For sure. <laughs> an intellectual brush. Yeah, you know. So it was so, almost like a new audience too, probably. I'm sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, again like you know. There's a. There's, if you go back and look at any of the videos, like you know, Dad would play on metal bills. You know, we yeah. play on punk shows. We did headline. You know, I mean, it was at you were headlining, and you know, you're playing wherever you can play. But the band was really good. Yeah. And we just, le- just again, just leaned right into it. And, and a lot of people um, appreciated the kind of evolution post minor threat yeah. into this more mel- melodic kind of punk thing, giving the nod to the previous guards mm-hmm. and then trying to forge ahead into new space. Yeah. Also, what is happening is that. Um, Brian and I were really, really hyper focused on Johnny Marr and his guitar okay. playing. Interesting. So, you know, yes, we play in punk bands, but we're trying to figure out, like, you know, oh wow, Captain Sensible plays very interesting kind of ringy guitar parts. Interesting. Oh wow, the Johnny Marr guy, like, how's he? Brian and I would listen to Smith's records all the time, just astonished at how quickly they could crank out songs Damn. and they were phenomenal records yeah. for that chunk of time, you know, that period. Totally. Um, and I was always, uh, I was having a conversation with, um, bones from 76% uncertain. Oh, I remember that old, band. Yeah. old school punker I band, them, yeah. uh, field day, which we haven't talked about and we'll get yeah, to, yeah. um, we're up in new Haven and bones came out and I know bones from the, Day. Yeah, where were they from? Sorry, that, like up that way, like cool. Hartford or that's whatever, right, right. <laughs> New Haven, Hartford, whatever, up that way. Yeah. And I remember him just tripping out one time where we're playing the Anthrax, and he's looking at me and he's like, "Dude, 
what's with the Smiths? And he just, it was hard for him to wrap his head around that, like, in my, you know, Walkman, you know, because we had cassettes <laughs> back in the dinosaur day, you know, yeah. those square things yes. with the tape. Max, Max, um, <laughs> you know, hey, buddy. Um, yeah, I was like, you know, no, I was, I, I was trying to figure out how somebody could do different textures on guitar. That's cool. That was interesting. Now, I never put those two and two together with Smiths and Dagnasty. But when you, when Dag was doing those shows, so uh, I guess right at that wig out, wig out, not even talking about field day, but wig out time, we were probably on the, maybe one of the only bands that was really splitting guitar signals and having a dirty and a clean signal and playing with delays. And it was, okay. all, you know, dare I say a little bit more atmospheric with the guitars. Okay. Yes, we could play, you know, power chords and crunch and all that yeah. stuff. Great. But how can you have these ringing notes and these open ringing notes against a very, very freight train steady bass line? Okay. That was kind of interesting. And I, I know that there's, um, when you go back on the clock, like some people, like, like if you look at TSOL, mm -hmm. like Ron sometimes did that guitar ringing thing that he was pulling a lot from the damned. Yeah. On. Um, you know, yeah. Brian and I were approaching the same thing, only we were pulling from the damned, but also from the, in a way from the Smiths just in the, textures and the the what could yeah. be what can be done with a guitar yeah, 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 yeah what could be done how far do you take that is it smart to do it that way is it not smart once you've you know how, can you make it evolve yeah can you make it speak in a different way mm -hmm. and everybody goes down that you know goes down the rabbit hole with that look at what like you know look at how far uh I don't know, a band like U2 has taken what could be done with a guitar and where you ended up with a guitar. It's crazy. It's very, yeah. very different point, textures yeah. and stuff like that. So Are you that, a fan of U2? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I, again, like, yeah, I, I think lyrically great, you know, great live show, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But also the idea, what's, what, here's what I like. Okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come all the way around the hook. One of the greatest things about U2 ready for this isn't that they were influenced by American blues before Joshua tree. It's that they were influenced by craft work. Yeah. That's insane. It is insane. Yes. Where you go, boy, those crazy Germans, you know, craft work were so far ahead of the curve so and influencing ahead. people. And that's, what's neat for my ear. When I hear that you go, Oh, I totally see how they're pulling that part together. Mm. And that, they were looking at the guitar in a non-traditional way. And how punk rock is that? You really can't, you can't, that's very punk rock. That's so true. you go, yeah, badass. Uh, yeah. And then, and then it wasn't until like Joshua tree where it was like, they really started pulling on the American blues part of the mm -hmm. equation. And you go, yeah, it's quite obvious. Yeah. But previous to that, they were actually looking East. Okay. Fascinating. That is crazy. I was Fascinating. Like, yeah. I knew the graphic was a big influence for them. That makes sense. Listen to that stuff. Or, or the Smiths for you guys for a wig out. Yes. 
Safe to say that. So, totally safe to say that. Insane guitar playing. And was Peter Ins- was Peter a fan of the Smiths too? No. Okay. He hated it. <laughs> he hated it. In fact, in fact, he he would there's I mean you there's show there's you see like there are photos of me. I'd straight up wear a Smith shirt at yeah. a show, photo. Yeah. It wasn't until I I even know the specific song that changed Peter Cortner into a Smiths fan. Okay. Shoplifters of the world. Okay, so yeah, yeah. up to that point, he was like, I fucking hate you, Doug. And I hate <laughs> that band. And don't play that shit. Put it in your headphones. Yeah. But it wasn't until Louder Than Bombs came out where he's like, oh, shit. Okay, I get it. Damn. I see what you guys are. T- I see why you guys are so frothy about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I never got to see them. Wow. You know, I never got to see them, which is interesting. So I only learned about them. through. So I might threat, though, so. Yeah, well, <laughs> again, I can go pretty far back on the clock of, of things that I have seen, you know. Mm-hmm. But you missed the Smith. Yeah, but I didn't, that. again, well, you know what? It, when we talked about this the other day, um, I was talking about this at rehearsal yesterday, where sometimes when you're in a touring band, you miss shit because you're in Kalamazoo on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yay. And yeah. you're like, fuck, I don't know what's going on. You know, yeah. um, like you living in New York, sometimes you don't, things don't blip on your radar because no. you're in Florida. Totally. You know, I don't know. Especially and, before the internet. Right. So by the time, you know, by the time with in, in Smith's world, they were, I, I, it, it was hard for, when you're in a touring band, yeah. you don't get to see bands Good unless point. they're in this venue where you, you go, oh shit, <laughs> yeah. I can see them. They're like yeah. seven feet away. You know, yeah. other than that, you're like, it's totally out of context. Yeah. And then when you're in opposite land and it's like super expensive to see bands, you're just like, I can't, I, you know, I'm not going to see that. Yeah, or I yeah, can't yeah. afford to see that. Yeah. Or you're busy, you know, you commit yeah. your life to a whole different thing. If it's a band inside the space where you are, mm-hmm. I'll go see, I love all music. And so I'll go see everything quite on the, on the fringes of, of different, but hip hop too. Um, I'm going to go with hip hop's a different beast for me. Okay. So I was not, I am not influenced by hip hop, even though don't, don't, don't. The first time I heard NWA was with the promoter from green Bay, rich, who was driving me to the store to get Gatorade. And he's like, dude, are you familiar with this NWA? I'm like, what is it? He's like, yeah, these crazy guys out of Compton. And I heard it. And I was like, holy shit, that's more punk rock than anything I'd ever heard. I agree. Holy smokes. <laughs> but I'm like a guy that grew up on a skateboard. Yeah. You know, I'm a guy that grew up on a surfboard in Hermosa yeah. Beach. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't identify with like yeah. inner city stuff like that. I, it's mm-hmm. just, you know. It's never really stuck with you. Hip hop never really stuck with you. Hip hop. Hip wasn't, it's not even really that it didn't stick with me as much as it wasn't something that I identified with. Because gotcha. I was so, like, I can connect with R&B and you know things like that like like i'd listen to music and go see like yeah i'd go see things that people wouldn't think that i would normally go see like i've seen zap you know things mm-hmm. that you go i've seen cameo things you go holy sh-. you go holy shit really and you go yeah and i <laughs> saw those things because here's a here's how you thread the needle with that remember i love all music and i'm always interested in the experience so brad x singer for doggy style yeah straight edge kid right Brad, Brad, super straight edge guy. Okay. As a super straight edge guy. Interesting that later he started Cottonmouth Kings, but that's a whole nother story. So Brad, because his background came from basketball, 
was always playing with inner city kids. Got you. Brad, because his folks lived in like Red Banks, New York or something like that, like over toward Queens. Um, He would go there and hang out and play basketball all day from sunup to sundown. And he was a good basketball player. But when you're playing basketball, you meet other kids. And that's how he got influenced by hip hop and rap. And so uh, through a weird world, I ended up getting turned on to some things through him because he got turned on to it through his basketball culture, which is sometimes more inner city. Yeah. So it was, we have to go back to, but doggy style, we on any of those records? Well, yes. Brian and I played on one thing that was a doggy style record that was called doggy rock, which is a really weird record. Okay. Kind of like a fusion between doggy style and the chili peppers. Yeah. Really weird record. Yeah, I love I love doggy style when I was a kid. You could skateboard to them and shit. Yeah, remember. and so the the dumb Brad story is Descendants are playing wherever the hell we're playing somewhere in Southern California, and um, this guy friend, Descendants are playing Fender's Ballroom, and uh, this very very tall guy wearing a Gilligan's Island hat like a like a sailor hat bucket hat bucket hat like whatever comes up he's like hey dude, and I'm like hey what's going on he's like I'm Brad I'm like nice to meet you Brad cool he's like i play in a band called doggy style i'm like wow that's really cool and so i kind of started talking to this guy and then a few weeks later he and the drummer roll down to the descendants rehearsal place and he hangs out and then he's doggy style is getting ready to do a show with the dickies way out in orange county so at the roller rink or something and i go out to (laughs) see him and he was brad was the guy that like drank gatorade okay like that guy like yeah. super, which is again, we were talking before about rich instead. Yeah. Like that's that world, I love that. you know, but yeah. Brad had his own bizarre, humorous flip, similar maybe to like how Tesco V did with meat men, like just okay. a weird, weird flip on it. Okay. Weird flip on it. Anyway, you were saying that's awesome though. So yeah. you played some shows of doggy style. Yeah. Yeah. But not, but not records. Just played a couple. Right. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.